0: Exercise. This again is the podcast that's devoted to the mind, different things that are impacting your mind and how you can interpret them, the body, the discipline that it takes to achieve the best self that you want to achieve, and exercise. And every one of these podcasts ends with some type of exercise. And today's is going to be a diaphragmatic breathing exercise, which I think is really great because I used to do it back in middle school and it still relates to today. So mind, body, and exercise, today's topic is one I know a lot of, gets a lot of coverage, and is always in the news, it's about, today's topic is about nutrition, so I've decided to call it the unhealthy convenience, which is just a fancy name for saying, yeah, convenience foods, things that we're eating, things that we're putting into our bodies, uh, while they're convenient, um, because you can purchase them easily, they're not always the most healthy option for you, and they're going to impact the kind of the process here that many of us are undertaking to become better people or better able to handle stress in our lives. And so we're going to just cover some of that. We're going to spend the first 10 minutes talking about the mind, uh, different things that impact the mind, different things that you can be mindful of during your week. And as it relates to nutrition, that's this week's episode. And then the body, different things that you can practice through discipline, through exercise. That's going to be the second part. And then the exercise is going to be diaphragmatic breathing. It's starting to get hotter and hotter and hotter here in East Dallas. So what better way to spend a hot afternoon than being mindful and being conscious of ourselves? It sounds a little weird, but you know what? Let's give it a shot. So um, I thought that the best way to go about doing this, devoting the first, let's just dive into the content. I thought the first part would be really good just to start you know, being mindful of nutrition. This is a pretty broad topic. A lot of people have talked about it in so many different ways, so many different forms. So rather than trying to act like I'm an expert on nutrition, which I am certainly not. I am not a nutritionist. I don't know. I mean, I have some idea about what is healthy and what's not. There's an absolute ton of literature out on the subject about it. Hopefully we'll get something on the podcast that can shed a little more light on it, maybe give us some professional views what I can do is take a lot of the information that's out there, consolidate it in bullet form, and then share that on this podcast. So that's really basically what I've attempted to do, and I hopefully have achieved it. Uh, as always, if you want to share your feedback, feel free to post comments uh, on the Twitter page, at WillRadioRun. That's a great way to say, look, your podcast is awful, or your podcast is great, here's why, whatever. love to get your comments. And that would be the place to do it. At Will Radio Ron on the Twitter page. Um, so let's just dive into the content here without going any further. I've just bullet pointed some, some of the most amazing facts um, that i found just in terms of, you know, the name of the topic is uh, unhealthy convenience. So why not start with like the most convenient thing, which is soft drinks. Since World War II, the consumption of soft drinks has gone up by 80%. Uh, Potato chips by 85%. On the other hand, consumption of dairy products has decreased by 21%. Vegetables by 23%. And fruits by 25%. That's since World War II. So that's just something to be mindful of while we're, you know, increasing our consumption of convenient products. And here's, I've, I've listed five of the, I've just been reading a lot of information about nutrition, so I decided to highlight five relevant facts you know, take them as you read them. They come from different sources. These, these are all from University of Texas Nutritionist, um, the Nutritionist website. So, number one, we consume an average of 221 cans per person of soft drinks per year. Number two, soft drink consumption exceeds milk consumption. Number three, Americans spend 46% of their food expenditures on restaurant meals. Number four, One-third of all adults are overweight to the extent that it it impairs their health. Number five, the top ten television shows are supported by 91 commercials for fast food. So, I mean, that's pretty interesting statistic considering that the major food, the major ingredients found in snack food are sugar, refined flour, salt, chemical additives that enhance flavor and color, and they extend shelf life. So it shouldn't be any surprise that these the, these chemicals can somehow ad- adversely affect our health and adversely affect our minds as we both as we all know those are linked. Now what I did find was I was just looking over this because a lot of the information that's out there is already stuff that people are, already know like oh hey don't drink soft drinks and stop eating cheeseburgers and don't smoke cigarettes like that's stuff we already are pretty aware of. Um, but what's some interesting information that we can process for ourselves that's not I mean, necessarily on every single piece of paper? So I thought one of these articles that was pretty cool was, uh, to chew or not to chew. And the whole article was just driven about, this is a news week, about how we eat as important as, as what we eat. And the point of the article was that most of us are in too much of a hurry to chew and taste our food. And that um, the stomach and the liver are not really devised to digest food that hasn't been chewed properly. So, um, I hate to think back to college days, but I'm going to go ahead and throw this out there. Like, anytime somebody in college would drink too much alcohol and then would grow up, the first thing everybody would always say would be, chew your food. Like, why... <laughs> why on earth are you not chewing your food? It's just like, why does it take someone throwing up in order for us to realize that we're not chewing our food? Uh, Unfortunately, for some of us, it does. So, um, you know, don't necessarily concentrate on that story for the vomit part so much as it is the highlighted part, which is, chew your food. So, um, most processed foods, uh, it's intentionally designed to appeal to a certain type of taste. And, um... The odor and flavor are disguised by a variety of chemicals, and so it's not encouraging you to seriously chew it. It's just encouraging you to just have an immediate reaction. I thought that was an I thought that was interesting. Um, and we generally eat about a third less if we don't wolf it down. Um, approximately one third of digestion is supposed to take place in the mouth. When we bypass it by only chewing two or three times, we also bypass about a third of the nutritional value in our food. Consequently, we will eat about one-third more than what we really need. When we chew, thoroughly chew each bite, digestion, digestion takes place more efficiently, hunger is satisfied more quickly and thoroughly, and we require less in, less uh, less intake. Compulsive eaters or overeaters rarely have ever really chewed their food if there's a that was another statistic that I read about compulsive overeaters was that they had a tendency not to thoroughly chew their food. So I've kind of beat this to death, but um, what is you know in an over in an oversimplified version is just a hurry to digest digestion. Um, eating at the wrong time can lead to more problems. Constantly snacking, eating before bedtime, or eating night uh, right before engaging in a strenuous mental or physical act- activity all. All of that is going to tax the digestive system. Asking the body to perform two neurologically opposing tasks invites misery. So just keep that in mind too. It's not difficult to slow down. Before you eat, simply take two minutes to focus on the breathing exercises that we've we've talked about in in the exercises in previous episodes. And you can reflect on a focus on your breathing, feel calm, and you'll notice that you will have a better ability to digest food. You'll get in a better habit about that. Uh, so some bullet points on the best types of foods and the best types of habits. Uh, buy and eat only the best food. That's a pretty simple one. This is taken from the Wellness Tree by Dr. Justin O'Brien. Buy and eat only the best food. Choose food that is as close to its fresh and natural state as humanly possible. The less food is processed, the more nutrition it retains. That seems pretty clear. Avoid as many chemicals as possible. Eat food that is natural to your food needs. Chemical additives will not only reduce nutrients in food, but can be very dangerous. Substitute natural sugars for refined sugar. Use natural forms of sweetness. Sweetness like fruit, uh, fresh fruit, dried fruit, etc. Rather than artificial sweetener or refined sugar. Reduce your fat intake. Go easy on dairy products. Remember that cottage cheese, like yogurt, has virtually no fat, so that's another good one. However, butter is better for your body than the chemicals of margarine. Watch your protein. In our sedentary lifestyle, we consume an excess of protein. This can lead to calcium imbalances and produce excessive uric acid, inviting a host of intestinal problems. Meat is less important, less is a less important in your diet, important item in your diet. Snack on raw foods, vegetables, and nuts. That's a good one. Drink lots of water. Everybody knows that one. Create a f- pleasant, light-hearted atmosphere while eating. That's more of a mindfulness exercise Exercise regularly. And be creative and discover your own unique needs. So that's another one that I like that they ended on that because diet is highly individualized and you should experiment with selections of different kinds of food and find it the one that works best for you. So that's, for the mind portion, um, just some bullet points and something interesting related to nutrition. Um that I don't think has gotten enough coverage. So anyway, moving on, I think the next section is gonna be devoted to the body. And that section I've decided, since we're talking about the first portion, devoted to nutrition, that the second part should be devoted to exercise. So, you know, research leaves no doubt at all that those who exercise consistently will be healthier have fewer cardiovascular diseases, regardless of age or sex. Um, One statistic in his book, Ageless Body, Timeless Mind, Deepak Chopra reports on a program conducted by gastroenterologists from Tulsa University, in which a group of the frailest residents from a nursing home were selected for a weight training program. Within eight weeks, wasted muscle had come back by 300%. Coordination and balance improved and overall a sense of active life returned. Some of the subjects who had not been able to walk unaided could not get up and go to the bathroom in the middle of the night by themselves, an act of reclaimed dignity that is by no means trivial. What makes this accomplishment accomplishment truly wondrous, however, is that the youngest subject in the group was 87 and the oldest 96. So, I mean, there's little dispute about the impact of physical action, activity on the, the on a healthy body. But little is said about the impact of exercise on the mind. I think a lot of people exercise to build muscular strength, uh, flexibility, and physical balance. And those are necessary for health. And there's a good deal of information on that. But instead, I think our focus will be to exercise to increase inner awareness as well as to, as to increase flexibility. Um one thing that I that I was thinking about with this as long far as it relates to mindfulness is that you know if you exercise regularly a lot of times you'll recognize that there are times when you're a program it doesn't seem helpful and you know running isn't enjoyable you don't feel invigorated uh, but when the body is exercising and the mind is not involved the exercise is going to yield fewer benefits Um if you're just exercising your body without paying attention to your mind, to being mindful, it, it can be harmful. So we want to use exercise as a tool to increase our self-mastery, and we, but we really want to pay attention to how our exercise affects the body and mind and to try to coordinate those. And I think the easiest way to be able to, the easiest example of that is To concentrate on comfortable breathing and being able to stretch. So, when you're concentrating on tension in your body and you're concentrating on trying to stretch to release some of that tension, really concentrating on breathing and the exhalation and the inhalation and trying to deep, to bend a little bit deeper into that stretch and try to get a little bit farther than you may have gone before. Um, Just having a natural having a natural response from that is, is beneficial. But paying close attention to internal feelings and movements, you're gonna become more conscious of the subtle feedback cues of your muscles and the systems involved, and this is gonna increase sensitivity to your greater conscious control over this muscle and in, in your body. Uh, a lot, of, Most people are not sensitive to tension in their shoulders and neck until they feel soreness there. The muscle use is a final pain signal in order to grab your attention. The problem isn't in your shoulders. These muscles are only following instructions. And all along, they've been sending signals back to the brain with every change in tension. The problem is that no one was paying attention to the feedback signals. The muscle was forced to remain tense. So keep that in mind as you're dealing with pain, uh, that your muscles are sending a pain message and you're just beginning to pay attention. So how do we become more attuned to our bodies? I've built some Builds like a few bullet points here from the information that I've been able to gather So be consistent set a specific time each day for your practice and practice a little each day That's number one number two morning and evening are the best times to practice That's what I've been able to gather the information that I've been able to get is just that morning Helps you keep calm during the day and the evening your exercise is going to help you relieve tension Uh, Do the exercises in a clean quiet and well-ventilated room Always practice on an empty stomach. Do not become discouraged if your body does not respond the same way each day. Study your body and its movements. Let body movements flow evenly and gently with the breath. Follow any exertion exertion with relaxation. Those are all just some great exercises to do. Keep be, there are some great ideas to keep aware of when you're exercising and how to be more mindful when you're exercising and doing your exercise practice. So going along with that, I think we're going to transition here into the diaphragmatic breathing exercise because I'm talking about breathing, so why not transition into a, an actual example and something that you can do from home. So um, the diaphragmatic breathing exercise is something you can practice at any time, and um, it should be able to help you build better practice for breathing. So keep that in mind as you're exercising, try to breathe, and try to concentrate more on what you're doing and be mindful. That's in summary. So let's move on Last to the last part of the podcast, which is the diaphragmatic breathing exercise. Diaphragmatic breathing. Lie in the relaxation posture and practice breathing for a minimum of 10 to 15 minutes Twice a day. In the relaxation posture, place your right hand on your stomach, your little finger over the navel, and the other finger stretching up towards your chest. Place your left hand on the upper part of your chest, with the little finger between your two breastplates. When the diaphragm contracts, It flattens out and pushes against the internal organs in the abdominal cavity. Instead of the chest going up and down, the stomach moves out and in as if there were a small balloon inside. Now breathe as if you are filling this small balloon in your stomach. Your stomach and right hand will rise with the inhalation and fall with the exhalation. It should be very gentle, no effort or work required. Don't try to completely fill or empty your lungs. Let your body decide how much air it needs. There should be no movement at all in the left hand. You should feel a slight motion in the lower portion of the chest cavity, but the upper portion should remain still. Within a few moments, you'll become a more rested and quiet person. Do not try to force the breath. Allow the motion to be gentle and effortless. Notice how easy it is to breathe deeply and easily without any effort. Practice being an observer or witness, allowing the body to do the breathing for you. The evenness and balance of the breath will balance the nervous system. To build a quicker and stronger diaphragmatic response, place an eight to ten pound weight, such as a wrist or ankle weight, across the abdomen when you practice. This weight lifting, this weight lifting strengthens the diaphragm and establishes diaphragmatic breathing more quickly as your movement moment to moment breathing response. Diaphragmatic breathing—that's the exercise. As always, thanks again for checking out our podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please turn to the Twitter page, at WillRadioRun, and look forward to talking to you again in the future.